1: Hello, and welcome to Just Cool With It, a podcast where we talk about how society influences our favorite, and sometimes least favorite, horror movies, and today we're talking about It, again, but this time, the remake. And I'm Nikki, by the way. And I'm Kate. I didn't forget to introduce myself.
0: (laughs) No, you got it. Spot on.
1: Absolutely nailed it. But yeah, we're talking about It, Um, made in, what, 2017, I think? Yeah. So we already talked about the original. Which has a place in my heart. Now we're gonna talk about this bad boy. Ah, <laughs> uh,
0: this one. This one. So many thoughts.
1: I have many thoughts. Um, before we get into our thoughts, do you want to hear the very, very few facts? Okay, real quick. <laughs> I said this. I said this like I was accusing you, but like, last, I <laughs> last time I did these fun facts. Okay, I said that the director of It Follows. I was like, "Yeah, I don't think he's really done other stuff than that." But then I talked about how the guy who made the music for It Follows made the music for a movie called Under the Silver Lake. <laughs> yeah, it turns out if I had just done a little tiny bit more research, the guy who directed It Follows also directed <laughs> Under the Silver Lake. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, so I watched it over the weekends, very good, very weird. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so Basically, that was my way of saying, um, don't listen to all of my facts that well. I don't do a lot of research, (laughs) clearly.
0: It's all about balance.
1: It's all about balance. You do the research. I give a tiny bit of facts. And here we go. Um, Okay, so this one was directed by Andy Muschietti. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, He also directed a movie called Mama. Do you know this? It's a horror movie. Yes. Okay, I've never seen it. Um, But it was based on a short film that he also wrote. And apparently Guillermo del Toro loved it so much that he produced the feature film. So, good for this guy. Love that. Um, The music was by Benjamin Walfish. And he's done a ton of stuff. The ones I wrote down was Blade Runner 2049, Shazam, The Invisible Man, Hidden Figures, and Cure for Wellness. And I believe he was... I don't know if he won, but he definitely was up for like a BAFTA for uh, Hidden Figures. BAFTA? Is that what it's called? (laughs)
0: I don't know. I had a moment of panic where it's like in Misfits, no, mm. in in Doctor Who, which is very different from Misfits. <laughs> they talk about like uh, youth that have like acronym here, and I thought it was BAFTA, but it's not. It's like youth that have gotten in trouble with the law, and there's like an acronym for that. It's not BAFTA.
1: Okay, <laughs> don't I think what it is. I think BAFTA is an award. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. But I I believe he was—he either won or was up for a few awards for his music. So, yeah, very good music. Um, apparently he had a way bigger orchestra for *It* Part Two because he did the music for that one as well. Um, and I guess yeah, they had like a bigger orchestra, and he said it was um a little more intense. I was like, cool. So, interesting stuff. Um, and then this is my favorite fact because do you remember the budget for the original that I told you? Twelve million. Twelve million. Guess how much this one was?
0: Uh, $1 billion.
1: Whoa! Okay, listen. No. <laughs> I don't know how numbers <laughs> $35 million. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So it was a lot. Like, it was a lot I knew bigger. it wasn't a billion,
0: okay? I knew that. I could I do knew math. knew it wasn't
1: a billion. <laughs> just to be clear, I knew it wasn't a billion, just, okay?
0: Just so we're clear, I knew that.
1: <laughs> I don't know, folks. I thought maybe she knew it, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the budget was $35 million, which, like, is obvious. I mean, it's a huge film. Wow. Um, and it made that money back probably within its, like, first two nights, Holy as shit. I recall. Yeah, because um, when I worked at a movie theater, it was our highest grossing film and highest attended film for, like, a really long time. And that also could be wrong, but it was one of our highest grossing films, as I recall, and, like, most attended. We had it for a really long time. So.
0: Uh, I know when I was popular. doing research, I was, like, combing through fun facts, which they called trivia, but I feel like it's not. Anyway. This is a qualm I have with the way they call it. But um, one of the things was about, like, how it was one of the highest grossing horror films. Yes. And I don't remember, like, what all the criteria, like, highest grossing of this list were of this year. But, like, Mm -hmm. it made that money back. (laughs)
1: It made that money back fast. Um, And I think it was because, like, you got a bunch of people who are nostalgic for the old one. You got a bunch of people who, like, haven't seen the old one but probably love this one. And then, obviously, big fans that, like, just love the book. So they had a perfect storm of like making damn money so (laughs) um those are my facts i feel like we don't need a a recap though because it's the same movie
0: see you may not feel the need to but i feel like i need to offer a recap because last time i messed up a little bit (laughs) so i would like another shot if that's okay with you
1: (laughs) another shot of me telling you what it's about
0: me telling you because i aired okay you
1: tell didn't. us how about you yes. tell us what it's about because no one needs to hear my horrible thoughts again
0: i'm gonna read someone else's words as i do okay uh and this is from rotten tomatoes and okay. i just realized in this moment that i did not hide my bird clock but we have 10 minutes until it sounds
1: <laughs> you know what just for that i'm leaving it in and they're all gonna hear the bird clock Oh. God, let's all try no. to guess and go quiet for when it's gonna happen we'll try <laughs> to now 10 minutes from now we're all just gonna
0: <laughs> and wait for it. <laughs> I am recording in the closet, though, so it's entirely possible that it'll be muted birds.
1: Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, then that'll just be nice. It'll sound like we're recording, like, in a meadow.
0: Oh, I mean, we are, obviously. We are.
1: Yeah. 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 No, what I meant was we are recording in a meadow. Yes. So. And the okay. clock that we're talking about are real birds.
0: <clears throat> yes. Okay.
1: You're Tell giving me all, me all, about all of the... our secrets.
0: It's fine. <laughs> okay. So, this is from Rotten Tomatoes. Seven young, no, seven young outcasts in Derry, Maine. (laughs) That's That's already going really well. (laughs) We had such high hopes. I think I'm just cursed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can do this. You know what? I believe in you.
0: That's actually a trope later. (laughs) The power of belief. Anyway. It's like, clap your hands if you believe. We'll get to it. (laughs) We'll
1: get to it. You'll see. Well, I believe.
0: Seven young outcasts in Derry, Maine are about to face their worst nightmare, an ancient shape-shifting evil that emerges from the sewer every 27 years to prey on the town's children. Banding together over the course of one horrifying summer, the friends must overcome their personal fears to battle the murderous, bloodthirsty clown known as Pennywise.
1: That was great. You absolutely Thank you. nailed it.
0: Yeah, and I got that in one take. We're going to end one out all the mistakes now. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> You
1: know what it, t- t- it was. Only a teeny tiny mistake. It wasn't even that bad. It's fine. Um Cool.
0: Okay. So
1: I'm excited for this because we had so many weird facts about the original that I feel like this one's gonna be just as wild because it's so different. Um, okay, so let's go to Kate's Nerd Corner. Take us away, Kate.
0: Okay, so researching this was fun, meaning that it went a lot of different directions, and I was staring at my laptop saying, how do I pull these together? (laughs) So, let's start with a quick recap. Last week we talked about moral panics in general, and stranger danger in particular. Mm -hmm. This week, I want to talk about another panic. (gasps) Clown panic. Oh, yay, I knew it! the questions I will consider, what is it? When and where have clown panics occurred? Why might they spring up? And finally, how does this connect to it? So, starting off. Creepy clown sightings are nothing new and they're not actually rare, but it doesn't always become wild. a wave of panic like it did in 2016. The so-called Great Clown <laughs> panic, panic of 2016. <laughs> I started. wish that this was like fake, but
1: it's so not. Oh no, it's real. Like, yeah. This, this is one panic. of those
0: moments. <laughs> I can't. What is it? It's uh, the trope reality <laughs> is unbelievable. So yep, This is one of those moments
1: fact that the world went through a time when clowns just kind of took over it's been like a struggle for the past (laughs) decade (laughs) like listen i know people are genuinely scared of clowns i get it they're scary but like the fact that the world was just gripped by clowns for like way (laughs) too long i'm genuinely crying i know it sounds like i'm hamming this up but this is the funniest (laughs) thing to me and i was hoping you'd bring it up (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I want to hear about it. Tell me, tell me.
0: You're going to love this shit. Okay. (laughs) I'm so excited. So, the so-called Great Clown Panic of 2016 (laughs) started the short horror film marketing stunt. Adam Krause of Wisconsin was creating a 16-minute short horror film called Gags, featuring a creepy clown named Gags. So, an actor dressed up in a creepy clown costume stood on street corners at night holding some black balloons. Krause took pictures and posted grainy versions online. He thought that it would be a continuing project and that it would take time to get traction. Oh, how mistaken he was. (laughs) (laughs) These photos went viral. NPR, the New York Times, USA Today, and more news outlets covered the story of a mystery clown causing fear in Wisconsin. Other countries (laughs) picked it up, too. He planned to keep the marketing campaign going longer, but someone on the project the secret out, so he did interviews about it. That should have wrapped it all up, right? Creepy clown mystery solved. No. Au contraire. (laughs) Instead, this began a wave of reported clown sightings. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> there were generally two forms of these reports: clowns posing a threat to children, and clowns being in places where clowns generally aren't. Yeah, anywhere, like just anywhere is anywhere a, a clown is where clowns like, generally aren't.
1: <laughs> I just, just I can't. We were so. I remember it. Oh my god. I do too.
0: Yeah, so over a period of months, there were reports of clowns in over 29 states. Oh, my God. Ohio included. Oh, my God. So oh my God. there were a lot of different cases, but there I'm just going to mention a few. So school children said they saw clowns at the edge of wooded areas, whispering and making weird noises. In another state, there was a report of a clown menacing children at a bus stop. Oh my there God. was also a clown bomb threat at a school in New York.
1: Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Was the clown leaving the bomb or was the bomb like made of clowns? I know that's a dumb question, but listen, in the clown panic, anything can happen.
0: <laughs> clowns are known to explode if they get too anxious. Yeah, was that it?
1: Like the clown was like, I'm gonna explode, or was it just it. like I'm gonna leave a bomb? Like what
0: Uh, let's assume the clown was not the bomb. It was a clown placing a bomb.
1: <laughs> we can assume, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can assume, but we'll never know the truth. But we'll never know.
1: Okay, cool. That's so... a uh... Wild.
0: In none of these cases was actual evidence of clowns found. Some schools banned clown costumes that year. Police departments were trying to remind the public that there was no evidence of dangerous clowns on the loose. And a guy in Kentucky was arrested for wearing a clown costume and mask in public. There was also, uh, I think it was at Penn State University, there was a mob of 500 students (gasps) that went out at night looking for clowns. (laughs)
1: they went clown hunting oh my god I remember that I remember when this like mob was just like we're gonna get those clowns and everyone was like okay
0: (laughs) good for you you got this and at this point it's important to say this wasn't the first time we'd seen a clown panic in the US there was a phantom clown panic in 1981 that started in Massachusetts and spread to other cities and states there have been phantom clown scares over the years since then And folks that have studied this pointed out that while creepy clown sightings are not uncommon, they don't turn into full-blown panics unless there's also heightened social anxiety and unrest at the time. Right. And what cultural anxiety was going full tilt in 1981? Stranger danger. Stranger danger. I knew it. I was like, it's partnered with it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So these were kind of like twinned uh, and co-occurring, but also like contributing to each other. So we've looked briefly at two clown panics in the U.S. 1981, 2016. We know that moral panics find fertile ground in anxious society. Yeah. But what is it about clowns that makes them an outlet for this fear? There are a lot of theories out there. The two that I read about concern Mm -hmm. the uncanny valley and the ambiguity and unpredictability of clowns. Mm -hmm. So a quick clarification. I've heard people say clowns used to be so wholesome. Like, when did they become scary? That's not necessarily true. In a Vox article, Aja Romano points out that clowns have always had a duality to their nature. And here's a direct quote. I wanted to quote it because I cannot rephrase this in a way that is as poignant as they said it. Right. So the clown's evil side has always been central to its nature. The trope began as part of more traditional trickster archetypes across the world, like the court jester, the fool, and the harlequin. The clown plays the role of the ironic entertainer whose duality reflects the intrinsic darkness and lightness of humanity itself. (gasps) By playing off this duality through satire, the clown has historically served as a tool of fierce social and political subversion. We crave the clown's fun, whimsical side, but the clown's dark side often reveals barbaric truths about human nature.
1: I wouldn't say I crave the clowns.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say I crave clowns. Yeah, that, oh my god. So there is a long history of clowns in popular culture, and that's a worthy area of analysis. Go do that if you want to. We don't have the time for that Don't
1: have time for so many
0: clowns, <laughs> so many clowns. So going back to why mm-hmm. we can find or yeah, why we find clowns scary. The uncanny valley is one of the theories, and it's not mm-hmm. a scientific theory. It's an aesthetics theory posed by Masahiro Mori, who was a mm-hmm. professor at the Tokyo Institute of Technology at the time. He observed that robots are more appealing to us as they become more human like, but only to a point. At that crucial point, when they're that familiar, we no longer find them appealing. We find them strange and tend to feel uneasy, to put it lightly. So the Uncanny Valley maps that point where their resemblance becomes unsettling. Right. A lot of people have pointed out that clowns aren't really trying to appear lifelike. They're instead exaggerations and distortions of humanness. Mm-hmm. So some folks say that the Uncanny Valley theory doesn't really cover it all. What is it then? An article by Erica Engelhaupt. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's a it sounds like a German name and I don't speak German. Anyway, it's an article in the National <laughs> Geographic. <laughs> there we it's go. The National Geographic. The National uh, Geographic. So in this article, Angle Help considers the research done by social psychologist Frank McAndrew, who has two first names. I know McAndrew's not a first name, but like that's it's like they Frank keep taking all the names. Frank
1: a lot of men with these, you know, multiple first names. I not it. about it.
0: I'm going to stay mad about it. (laughs) So anyway, social psychologist Frank McAndrew did research on creepiness. He had a survey that studied over 1,300 people on physical traits and behaviors that they identified as creepy. The most common factor in finding something creepy was unpredictability. And the following is a direct quote from the article. According to McAndrew, what really makes clowns creepy is that they are ambiguous characters in so many ways. If a person is willing to flout the conventions of society by dressing and acting as they do what other rules might they be willing to break It is only when we are confronted with uncertainty about a threat that we get the chills it would be considered rude and strange to run away in the middle of a conversation with someone who's sending out a creepy vibe but is actually harmless at the same time it could be perilous to ignore your intuition and engage with that individual if he is in fact a threat the ambivalence leaves you frozen in place wallowing a discomfort so they talk about how that uncertainty and ambiguity yeah. places you in, like, a freeze mode where you don't know how to react and you're just waiting right. for more information.
1: That's, ugh, that is spooky. <laughs> a little
0: bit. So now we have some ideas about why clowns can be seen as creepy. What about the use of clowns in horror? I was listening to this podcast actually a few years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it came out in 2019. I'm bad at time. But it's called American you're Hysteria. Mm-hmm. Uh, cho host Chelsea Webber-Smith <laughs> posits that horror can operate as a pressure valve of source, sorts. So in the episode entitled Phantom Clowns, she said, In times of high cultural stress, horror movies often soar in popularity. They help us vent feelings of anxiety and fear, of the scariness and creepiness of the real world in a controlled way. We can examine our fear while knowing we're not in real danger. Interesting. All right. Yeah, and that's in her um, episode about phantom clowns. Yeah. It's a really good episode. I've listened to it like Mm -hmm. three times. (laughs) So the anxiety and fear in 1981 that likely contributed to the rise of the phantom clown panic was the Mm -hmm. concurrent and interrelated stranger danger mall panic. But what about 2016? It was an election year. Oh. don't know if people recognize that. Oh, no, you're right. (laughs) And it was, some could say it was contentious. (laughs) And some folks, like Weber Smith, have pointed out that Donald Trump is often said to be clownish in appearance and behavior. His orange spray tan, his hair, his oversized suits. So we have a nation at a pivotal point politically and socially. A clownish figure that routinely flouts social convention and decency rising to the top and rising tensions between and among parties. Mm
1: -hmm. Introduce
0: a clown-centric viral marketing stunt, and you have the spark of a clown panic. To bring this all back to it... As we know, this is an adaptation of a novel written in the 80s. And this mm-hmm. adaptation was in pre-production in, ooh, I don't know how to say years. I was about to say 2009.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't have even questioned it. I don't know if it sounds <laughs> right. Like that. That's right.
0: Checks out. <laughs> yeah. It was in pre-production back in 2009. It actually went through three directors. Uh, Did it really? Find really interesting. Yeah. So one of, I can get into this later. Uh, but one of the disagreements with one of the directors was that he wanted it to be NC-17. Instead oh, of R. Whoa. Yeah. And he was like, you know what, we oh, wanted no. to make different movies, that's okay. I'm just gonna leave the project. And that's when uh the other the actual guy came yeah,
1: on. Yeah. Andy Muschietti. Mushietti.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. I was like, name with a lot of consonants. I know. <laughs> I hope I'm his name
1: right. I'm also very <laughs> bad at names, but Andy Muschietti, I think that's somewhat correct.
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the clown panic of twenty sixteen influenced the creation of A Chapter One because the timing does not line up. Right the audience that saw this movie shared the recent memory of a nationwide clown panic. Uh, It's true. And we're all bonded through that trauma, are we not? (laughs) Oh, oh boy.
1: Like, I remember when all of it happened and I wasn't like scared because I was like, okay, no, but there's that part of you that's just like, what if? Like,
0: like what if clowns just fucking took over? Like, right? (laughs) I remember that happening and like my reaction to it all was, Of course. Of fucking course, there's killer clowns now.
1: It was really, it was just one of those years where you're just like, Mm -hmm. fine. Like, it doesn't, nothing matters. Of course there's clowns.
0: To quote John Uh, Mulaney, this might as well happen. This might as
1: well happen. (laughs) And it was true. I think everyone was just so defeated at that point that they were like, oh, okay, (laughs) sure. So yeah, this movie definitely was just like everybody being like, oh, I remember that. (laughs)
0: so that's my nerd uh, corner
1: god that was a good one that thank you the clown panic always fucking kills me i can't
0: i oh think i just i didn't suppress this memory because it wasn't like so immensely painful to me right means, but like it just didn't rank in like the things that i remember no. from 2016 and so then it, rereading this i was like oh my god it did yeah. happen
1: it, it's one of those things that like it wasn't necessarily that big a deal because it really wasn't real but it also, like, when you do look back on it and you finally remember, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck was going on in 2016 that people were like, I'm going to dress as a clown
0: and I'm going to go outside. <laughs> Why? And so much of it wasn't even like, I'm I mean, going to scare my neighbors. I mean, there were definitely, like, parts where people were yeah. dressing as clowns to scare people. But most of it was people calling in clown threats. And what there were a what? lot of people that get charged Why? for filing false police reports.
1: Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely loved it, though. As in, like, loved it as in, it's truly a time you, you can't forget. Until you do forget, and then you remember, and it's all, you get to do it all over again, you know? <laughs> I remember <sighs> when we
0: relived the clown panic in 2016. I cannot
1: wait to someday tell, I mean, I'll never have kids, but maybe I'll tell all my cats. i am like, you know what? Back in 2016, clowns really took over, y'all. <laughs> the cats are going to be like, I don't care.
0: Yeah. Miso but. and Noodle are like, but, um, weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> Mind two
1: cats, yeah. They they already hate me. They don't want to hear about my clown stuff, too. Um, okay. So now we can talk about horror. Which. Yes. I'm excited. Um, mostly because this one was so different from the original, which, as you know, just holds like a special place by heart because I love it. It's one of the first horror movies I ever saw. Um. So them seeing this one, it's very different. So I don't know how I feel about it yet. You know? Like, I saw it when it first came out, and I still just don't know where it sits in my heart. Like, is it good? Is it bad? I just don't really know.
0: This was my third time seeing it, and I saw it for the first time when it came out, and I Mm -hmm. saw it in theaters. And so I know, like, I remember sitting next to my friend in the theater and like she and I both like grabbing each other and screaming (laughs) at a jump scare but I also remember us being like (laughs) Mm, yeah I mean it's uh, yeah
1: that's that's what it does and it's so strange um I saw it in theaters when it first came out because obviously it was one of my favorite movies I was really excited and I worked at the movie theater at this time so I got free movies so I was kind of like hell yeah like why wouldn't I check this out so I went and I watched it and I did like it. I was like, this is really good. And then I saw it again in theaters because I had like a date and he really wanted to see it. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Like we can go see it again, free movie. So I was like, whatever you what want. Um, And even the second time I remember being like, yeah, this is a really good movie. And then like working in the projection booth, I had to like see it through the window constantly. And you start to like watch it again and again and again until you're like, I don't know. <laughs> so I have like a warped view of it <laughs> a little bit. But I know you you liked it, right? Like you still mm-hmm. like it. Okay.
0: Yeah, I still enjoy it. Um, I definitely have like my qualms with it, which mm-hmm. I'll get into it. I like listed them in my notes under qualms. <laughs> it's like okay. I have these issues and I've Thanks listed them problems. alphabetically. They're not alphabetical.
1: Oh my God. They're I was before. about to be like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> no. um, one of the first things I did notice too is that this was a lot different. One, it's set in the 80s. Um, yes. I think instead of, I think, what, 50s, 60s or 1960?
0: Yeah, so it's like I 50s and 80s and this one was 80s and 2010s.
1: Yeah, so this one was, you know, different in that way. Um, But also, remember in the original, it had those really intense primary colors? Yeah. And this one was like really opposite where everything mm-hmm. felt really muted, even Pennywise. His red looked faded, like, everything. And I think that's on purpose, obviously, to make him look old. And, like, we talked about this a little bit, about how his costume is meant to reflect, like, his timelessness, which I also noted in the color is similar. He looks faded. He looks gross.
0: Yeah. His uh, makeup is cracked. And it's kind of, like, um, diluted is not, like, the exact thing. but, But, like... it's Not as saturated, on, you know?
1: yeah. Like he's definitely like he's not bright like the mm-hmm. original, where he's meant to be like an oversaturated pop of color. In mm-hmm. this guy, I mean, in this this guy, Pennywise, this clown in this one is so so muted, and it was so interesting. And I have qualms about the costume, not necessarily for what it was supposed to represent, because I love that. I loved the fact that the costume designer wanted pieces from different eras to reflect how he Mm -hmm. was like ageless and like basically forever like he had been around forever so much so that his costume like reflected that it just i didn't i don't know i just like had qualms with it being a little too fitted on him and like um being like the ruffles were a little too i don't know it took away the horror for me in a way okay I think because I was just so, I don't know, I was just so fitted to this man that I was just like, eh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and in the other one, it, when um, Tim Curry is in it, he's got this like shapeless kind of like, yeah. uh, for lack of a better word, a onesie, basically. Um, so it kind of gave him uh, more of a spooky vibe for me.
0: Okay. But that's just
1: for me. I don't know. Yeah. So it felt more classic clown, and this felt more like you were being haunted by a Victorian painting.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That is the vibe. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
1: which, and I totally understand that that's, like, a vibe, and I can understand why people would be scared of that, but for me, it took it away a little bit just because I saw the ruffles, and I was like, look at this dandy man. Like, I was like, this sweet little dandy man is coming to get me.
0: (laughs) Hello, dainty sir.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so that part took it away for me a little bit, but I didn't dislike it. But I wanted to mention it before I forgot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is going to sound very minor and like a weird nitpicky thing to pick up. But the like definitely in the scene where he appears to Eddie, Mm -hmm. I didn't clock if it was consistent throughout the movie, but his uh, pom poms on the front of his outfit are off center. And to me, that reflected his uh, instability and, like, the oh. mercurial nature of Pennywise and how he's unpredictable and how there's oh, just this. scary. Yeah. And so it's, like, you know that, like, when a character in a movie is, like, unhinged, their hair is messed up?
1: Right. Yeah. It
0: was like that, where it's, so like, it his like pom-poms that, like... aren't straight.
1: <laughs> Classic clown. <laughs> They're weird pom-poms.
0: And you just know that, like, they are so intentional with setting things on movies. Yeah, so it's hard it's, to like... say that that wouldn't be. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can totally see that. I didn't notice that, but that's interesting.
0: Because it gives, like, this air of disheveled and mm-hmm. intentionally must where it's like, you don't know what he's going to do. He's wild. And you don't. <laughs> he's
1: weird. No. Um, and that's the thing. Like, the person who designed the costumes, I I did love it. I thought that whoever did it did a really, really good job. And I did like it. Like, it wasn't scary to me, necessarily. But I appreciated everything that went into it. The thought and, like, what it meant. Amazing. It just, I'm also a costume nerd, though, at the same yeah. time, and I studied costume history for a while, so I get a little, like, nitpicky about it to the point where I think I ruin it for myself, and that's probably what oh, I did God. here, because honestly, it was a super cool costume. I just saw his little Victorian ruff and his, like, <laughs> ruffles, and I was like, no, not for me.
0: <laughs> no, thanks.
1: Yeah, okay, and it also doesn't help, I'm gonna admit something now, the guy who played the clown, do you know his name? Do you Bill Skarsgaard. Yeah, uh, I think he's very attractive.
0: Oh yes. It was so, very confusing to watch this movie and be like, yeah. I am wildly attracted to Bill Skarsgard. Not yeah. as Pennywise. As
1: Pennywise? Here's the problem. Yeah, I was like, no, that clown's not hot. And then I was like, Clown's a little hot. <gasps> like <laughs> I don't want to say it, but I'm gonna say it. That clown was hot. Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying all the time, and I'm not saying that I, you know, I approve of his eating of children. I'm just saying, it was a hot clown. <laughs> so, yes, it was confusing.
0: <laughs> I just hit my head because
1: I laughed too hard. <laughs> it, and I, like, didn't want to say anything, but then I was like, you know what? This is, like... This is a safe this, space. Th- th- thank you. It, this <laughs> has morphed my view of this movie so much that I, I have to bring it up to the point where every time I saw him, I was just like, he's so good looking.
0: <laughs> Instead See, of being frightened. <laughs> I am just very attracted to hit, like... Bill guards kindness yeah, in like all too. of the interviews and like all of the behind the scenes stuff they talk about like <clears> how <throat> kind he was to the child actors and Aww. how like he would check in with them regularly and be like hey are you okay and like they had kept him separate for them for a while so that when they did scenes with him they were actually shocked not in, like right. the scarring way but like the surprised way right and like the kid that played Eddie i don't remember his name off the top of my head he was great Right. But, um. There's a scene where Pennywise is like choking him and screaming in his face, and Eddie's oh, crying yeah? and screaming. And then, as soon as the camera's cut, Bill Skarsgård is like, Hey, are you okay? And the Jack Grazer. Grazer's oh. like, Oh, dude, I'm fine. I love what you're doing with the character. Oh. And it was just like, <laughs> every time I read these things about how kind just... Skarsgård is to everyone in the cast. What a and sweetheart. I know. And it's like, I have like this belief that we cannot like. I don't know. This is only true for me. This is only true for me. But I cannot, you know, have real true feelings for someone that I don't personally know. And so it's like, I admire the shit out of Bill Skarsgård. I cannot say I'm in love with Bill (laughs) Skarsgård.
1: I cannot say that. (laughs) Listen, I'm not going to come out and just say I'm in love with Bill (laughs) Skarsgård. I will say, though, he's very attractive. He was a hot clown. And he seems like a very kind person. So for that, and I still and this is also not taking away from his performance in any way because he was Mm -hmm. extremely good. Like, he's very talented. Oh, that yeah. creepy face that he makes with his mouth, that's real. Yeah. He just does yeah. that. Um, I know. I was... His little lip thing. I know mm-hmm. you guys can't see us, but we're both trying to do it. We're <laughs> both like, his little <laughs> lip thing. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's very talented. I've seen him in, obviously, a ton of other things, and he's really good. So, like, me not being afraid of him in this has nothing to do with his performance. He was extremely mm-hmm. good. Oh, yeah. I just... I just like him a lot already and saw this and was like, oh, no, <laughs> he's a good looking clown. I'm ruined. <laughs> I'm ruined. I, I truly ruined.
0: One of, um, when you mentioned the smile, it reminded me of like one of these trivia things because I spent like an hour reading facts about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so the fake teeth that he wears in some scenes oh, yeah. made him drool excessively. And so like they decide to just keep it. Yeah. Because no, Pennywise drooling lends like Ooh. this animalisticness.
1: Yes, I wrote the yeah. drool, mm-hmm. exclamation point, because it was such a cool thing, I thought, like, that they added. And not necessarily added, clearly, because I just yeah. found out it's a real
0: nasty. It's not like a drool affected post. It was like, <laughs> no, no, no. His teeth was like, it's fine. I'll
1: just do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is fine. Oh, my God. I, I'm looking at my notes now that I haven't looked at since I watched it. And I wrote, Pennywise is hot. Ew, the drool. <laughs> so I'm having a lot of emotions during this movie. Um, Clearly,
0: uh, some complex feelings have arisen. Having a lot of complex feelings. But
1: um, here's the things that I did wrote down, uh, write down. Um, I did like that they had that same piano scene, sort of. Did you notice that that was still in this one from the first yes. one? I love that, just because it was like this tiny little like homage of like, oh, yes, someone was playing the piano and... Georgie died in the first one. Mm-hmm. Still playing the piano in this one, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Um, and also, uh, they got us really attached to Georgie, like right away. Um, a lot more than the original. In the original, the scenes with Georgie feel very like you're really supposed to focus on Bill. I feel like mm-hmm. it, it almost was like, "Okay, yeah, like Georgie's cute and all, but this is about Bill, really." Whereas when Georgie in this one, I was, like, already just, like, oh, look at this little cutie! Like, <laughs> which I know is on purpose. Yeah. He was so sweet. I mean, he had longer scenes, I feel like, as well. And then when he dies, you're like, oh, no! Yeah. <laughs> they really just got you attached. And they also exploited his, your, like, feelings of watching him and Bill. like. Yeah. Bill and his love and is so cute in this mm-hmm. one that they totally exploit that. And they're like, isn't that adorable? Now watch us rip this kid's arm off.
0: And uh, George is like, oh, Bill's going to kill me. And you're like, no, no, no. Pennywise is. Right. You're like, oh, well, don't even worry,
1: bud. And that's also yeah. the sad thing is they show Bill being like, oh, I'm just sick. It's OK. But like, I still love you. Be careful. You know. And then when he says, like, Bill's going to kill me, you're like, oh, he never would. He loves you. And then it makes it worse.
0: Yep. Because <laughs> you're yep. like, oh, no. I had a moment when I was watching this this week where <clears> I was <throat> like, if I stop it now, Georgie doesn't die. <laughs> and I was like, oh.
1: if I just stop watching, Georgie just had a great time yeah, with his survives. boat. <laughs> and that's and that's it, folks. All right. So welcome. Yep, Thank you so up. much for uh, <laughs> Um. The also, I
0: revisionist history episode of Just Cool With It.
1: <laughs> We're actually going to stop recording and just hang out now if you guys want to chat. Yep. Um, also, what it did, though, is it made us hate Pennywise sooner.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: I think. Because, I mean, in the first one, you're a little less attached to Georgie. So you're not... And obviously, because it was made for TV, you get less of a gruesome death for Georgie. So I feel like at that point, you know that he's scary, but you're kind of like, eh, still see what he's got going on in this one right from the beginning you're like oh pennywise that was fucked up <laughs> yeah so it really just is like a terror right from the beginning which is yeah. interesting different than the other one
0: and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like in the first one pennywise isn't mm-hmm. like taunting him he's just trying to lure him in this yes. one he's straight up taunting georgie yeah. and like trying to guilt him and make him feel bad and unsafe
1: yes uh yeah in the first one he's a little less like not mean but yeah like he's really just like talking to georgie like they're pals you know and he's just like come on it's okay and in this one he's kind of a dick but you're it, georgie's a kid he doesn't really know you know you can tell he picks up on it though
0: he does yeah
1: you could tell that he picks up and he's just like am uh, not so sure about this clown in the sewer um and even when he's inching to grab the boat, he's still very hesitant. And you can tell he's trying to keep his distance. And it really makes that scene so much longer and so much worse. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so scary. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I Poor Georgie,
0: man. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. So one of the things that I wrote, I'm like looking through my notes that I just took like while I was watching. Uh-huh. And I later refined them. But straight off the dome, this is what I wrote. 2017 looked at 1990 and said, fuck you, fuck this, fuck that, have some blood. And by that I mean, (laughs) there's a shit to the blood, and they say fuck literally over 60 times.
1: (laughs) Oh my god. You're right. They literally took everything that the first one couldn't do, and they were like, oh, we're going to do it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Which is so funny. Um, Because yeah, in this one, I also wrote that it made the kids a little more believable Mm, in this one. Because, like, in the first one, they're very, uh, they're very dramatic. Like, the kids, they're very, like, I mean, they're, like, 1950s, you know, like, oh, jeez, I love you, Bill. Like, you know, they had this kind of air about (laughs) them. Oh, golly gee. (laughs) Yeah, like, they had a lot of times where, like, the kids would, like, dramatically look off screen and be like, oh, no. And Mm -hmm. stuff like that. In this one, they genuinely feel like kids who are just like, I finally realize that i could say fuck and i'm gonna say it a lot you know because mm-hmm. you like when you're a kid and you finally realize no one can yell at you for saying fuck and you're like oh this is it this is my new vocabulary <laughs> <laughs> and that's so what it felt like and it was so funny
0: exactly uh,
1: um but that is one of the things that took took it away from me is like the kids were so funny in this that it wasn't that scary <laughs>
0: I can definitely see that perspective. I think for me, it was like the humor balanced out the moments of terror Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, we're just laughing with friends. And then it's like, no, someone just died being stabbed in the neck with like a... Yeah. What are they called? Uh, It's not a safety razor.
1: (laughs) A safety razor? Not an (laughs) Xacto knife, is it? Uh, It's a switchblade. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you're totally right, too, because it was a nice balance. I think for me, it was just hard to focus because i was like these kids are really funny but i can understand also how it's like how it could balance it out because there are a few parts in this that still terrified me that little kid in the library with the eggs in his arms oh my god i fucking hate that he's dropping his little eggs and i'm like oh no no i know he doesn't have a head
0: Mm -hmm. oh it was so gross oh my god that's my like the isn't that creepy oh my god like when they're in the basement and pennywise is running at bill and he like yeah the he does that his little shoulders like, we run, his shoulders get really quick. medium
1: <laughs> i know i'm like i know you guys can't see us but we're both yeah. miming running right now
0: <laughs> because I, I, it's so weird if um, there are any critical role fans out there there's a really good example <laughs> of this uh in like the Definitely the first half of campaign two, where they're like in this barren landscape, and they come across like the forgotten or the first worn or something, and Matt scares the shit out of everyone, mostly <laughs> Travis. And it's because he does that like jerky run Ugh, after like it's this so prolonged scary. groan. It is like why- I'll link it in the show notes. I'll link yeah. this in the show. Oh <laughs> yeah,
1: check it out, guys, because I haven't seen it. I'm excited. There were a few parts where I feel like, and this is where okay, and also someone corrected me and they were totally right um i was saying special effects and practical effects it is practical effects and visual effects mm. so i th- I think and i could be wrong again hopefully this person will correct me but um i believe that my definition is correct but the wording was wrong so this one obviously was just so heavy on the visual effects mm. that for me that's another thing that took away because i missed those practical effects And I feel like because they had such a big budget and they wanted to make this like really cool, they kind of did everything they could. They were like, we're going to make this wild. And for me, I was like, oh, it's almost too much. But there were some parts like that creepy child with the eggs that was amazing. Chef's kiss to you guys. Loved that. But then there's that part where Pennywise is in the fridge in the house and his comes Mm -hmm. out and I'm like, all right, like... (laughs) Yeah, I remember watching it and being like, I know that he's weird, but, like, he, he twists and stuff, and I'm like, ah, uh, I wish that it had been a little more practical effects, less visual, but I still yeah. still really liked it.
0: To me, that moment of, like, I was actually thinking about the fridge, like, contortionist mm-hmm. scene, yeah. I think that Skarsgård actually did part of that, but they, Ooh. like, CGI'd the body on and kept his head, and so I was like, so basically, oh, so... he didn't do it, they just right, CGI'd like... the body in there, and so... I feel like I read somewhere where they said, like, oh, yeah, you worked with a contortionist. But at the end, like, to me, it was this over-the-topness, which is intentional. But to me, the scarier thing is, like, it looks slightly too small for him to fit. Yeah. You know, where it's not like, oh, this is just impossible and he's, like, this uncanny, wild thing. To me, the scarier thing is this is almost plausible but slightly too impossible, you know?
1: Yeah, I think he nailed it. I think that's what it is for me. I think it's that it's, like there's less of a probability like in the first one I feel like the things that they're scared of and the way that Pettywise acts he could almost be like a real person in a way but he just does things that aren't quite right and in this one it starts off that way and then he just instantly becomes like completely impossible which he is and I, I know that but I don't know. I think it was just so over the top, like him coming out of the fridge and him coming out of the, the projector where he's huge and he's in the room. And I was like, OK, like <laughs> they just made it so crazy that I was like it take it took it away from me. But I could totally understand why it's still like a good movie. It's still scary. Like, it's still a good movie. I I think it's good. I just wasn't scared of it very much
0: <laughs> nikki how dare you have opinions i know that based I, in your i'm experience. saying it
1: like someone is gonna absolutely like well someone might maybe this is someone's favorite movie and they're like oh, fuck this girl <laughs> and you know what understandable i i'm not an expert i'm probably wrong but
0: no you're saying your opinion which is based in your experience and your appreciation <laughs> of certain types of movies and you're not saying if you like this you're wrong and dumb like no you're Thanks, saying Kate. hey my personal opinion is this
1: okay makes me feel better Um, yeah, so, like, if people like it, I totally get why. And I don't dislike it. I just wasn't scared of it. There were a few parts that got me. But, yeah, it's not one of those movies that I think about it later. And I'm like, ooh, scary. (laughs) Um, I mostly think back about the funny parts. I will never forget gazebos. (laughs) Gazebos! (laughs) I'm so, we have to bring it up. Because when that part happened, I, like, had to pause and I was laughing so hard. Where he's got the medicine and he's like, do you know what these are? They're gazebos. <laughs> I know he means placebos. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. I love that so much. That's one I... of the tropes where he's the malaprop guy.
1: He totally... Oh, my God. Oh, We got to get to tropes. Yeah. I oh, We got yeah. to get to tropes because I've been talking about how I don't love this movie for way too long.
0: <laughs> Before we get into tropes, yeah. can I share my qualms?
1: Yes, please. I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't mean to talk over how your qualms. How dare
0: you? No, no. You did not talk over my qualms. My qualms were heating.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. They were just patiently waiting. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, my two biggest ones are misogyny and racism. <laughs> oh, Go yeah. Here. Okay. Just really <laughs> minor topics, you know, not just like, like big society-wide issues. You know. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, I'll start with the one that I have fewer notes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in the 1990 adaptation, it was Mike that was the history buff, and that's as it is in the novel. but... Right. Like he's the oh. one that knew the history of dairy, and he presented on it in the classroom. He's the one with the you're photo right. book that includes the losers in On Pennywise's history. Instead, this adaptation gave this all to Ben. Yeah, so I totally
1: forgot they did.
0: Basically, a background figure that is solely used to demonstrate that Henry Bowers and his friends are bad, and one of the reasons they're bad is because they're racist. And yeah. he just becomes a token character.
1: What you're so right, and I I totally forgot that he's the history buff in the very first one, because. Spoiler alert, I watched the second one just because I haven't ever seen it. And I was like, I know we're not going to cover that one, but I did want to see what it was all about. Which, another spoiler alert, I didn't really like it. Um, And uh, Mike, it's like they gave more to Mike in that one. Mm-hmm. Almost because they were like, oops. <laughs> it almost felt like a consolation prize where they're like, we're going to give Mike a little more character in this one. And it was like, okay, but you took it all the way in the first one. So.
0: Yeah. yeah. It almost also, gave no
1: justification for it. It was just weird.
0: My broader feeling of this goes back to like how Stephen King wrote that character because mm-hmm. I think he's a really cool character, but it's also like, why is this one man responsible for like what is it six other adults? Like all the yeah. burden placed on him. All of to it. To organize people and like herd mm-hmm. cats, and I was like, this right. just feels unfair. Um, and then that gets into some like, um, what's it called archetypes that are really problematic. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other thing that I want to talk about is misogyny. Right. There's some really good articles on this. Another one by Asia Romano that Mm -hmm. I really liked. Um, But to quote my friend Maggie, Bev gets the fuzzy end of the lollipop in this adaptation in a lot of ways. Poor Bev. One of the changes from 1990 to here was the average age of the characters. So I think they're all around like 10 or 11 in the first one. And Uh here they're all like preteens or teens. They're not children. Right. like
1: 13, and that, 14 kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that also
0: introduces topics like puberty, sexuality, and menstruation. Right. And in, in the original, Bev is bullied because she's poor and her father's a janitor. In this right. version, Greta and her group call her a slut and dump yeah. a little garbage water on her. And why does Bev have to make it clear that she's not sexually active? She would be just as valuable, even if she had kissed a bunch right. of dudes or more. But they make it a point in the film to have her tell Bill... You know, I didn't do that. And he's like, none of us ever believed it. Don't worry. How about instead? It's like what you've autonomously chosen to do with your body and sexuality doesn't have any bearing on how we perceive it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It was like when she feels the need to, like, confess that it's not something she did. And they're all like, don't worry. We never believed it. So, and so so what if she did?
0: So what if she did? And they also routinely make her a very visible object of the male gaze. Oh yeah, she's never the subject; she's the object. Like when she's in her underwear at the quarry, and they're all ogling her. That part
1: weirded me out because she is like 13, and I know it's for humor.
0: But, but it they sexualized her. Yeah. It reinforces problematic gender norms. Like, oh, boys can't control it. And it's, like, cute for boys to be creepy in this way. Like, it's it's reinforcing a lot of problematic
1: shit. Right. And also and then, it was just creepy because they sexualized, mm-hmm. like, a 13-year-old.
0: So, and <laughs> all <like> of <laughs> this is in the changed context of Bev potentially being sexually abused by her father. Because uh, in the book and the 1990 mm-hmm. adaptation, it was physical abuse and not um, intended to be shown as sexual abuse. Okay. Yeah. But there are strong hints in this adaptation that he was there. Yeah. Her. So while they remove the sweet orgy scene, they basically position Bev as a damsel and object of sexual desire. This entire
1: right. film, they give her like very few moments of being mm-hmm. like like she throws the rock, and they're all like, "Oh wow, she threw that rock!" And it's like, okay, like they, it felt like they were trying to make up for these things that they did that they probably knew were kind of shitty, and just uh,
0: didn't <laughs> didn't make up for it. No. Um, and, like, one of the tropes was like, action girl. And it's, like, kind ugh. of a way to be, like, I know that she's the only female character here, but we're going to make up to, for it by, like, having her be a badass with a slingshot. I'm like, that doesn't right. really fix Which, how you sexualize her.
1: Oh, constantly. I was so uncomfortable when they're buying the stuff from the store mm-hmm. and not buying, but, like, stealing. And her the way to distract him was mm-hmm. to just, like, basically get, like, sexual attention from this, like... 50 year old man yeah and it was just like oh gross like it was very unnecessary and then it just you hear so many adults make the comments too where she's like don't go near my kid beverly marsh like Mm -hmm. i know your type i don't need your dirty hands on him and stuff like that and it was like it felt so unnecessary it was just like why would an adult know about that like why
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I was not a fan of the treatment of Beverly. Like she no. Sophia Lillis is incredible. Oh she's great. And she acted the shit out of it. Like All
1: I the thought kids she was did, awesome. I thought. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. I have nothing but love and respect for this cast. Yeah,
1: <laughs> totally. The whole um, cast. Great.
0: But I just I feel like her character was really done into disservice.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't their fault. It was just, you no. know, the choices that were made in the writing and the directing was kinda like Oh, interesting yeah. choice. And but, Yeah.
0: But now I have some fun tropes. Yes, I'm sorry, excited. If you're ready. So ready. Okay, so this first one doesn't have a ton of background or like cl- like cultural analysis. It's just yeah. called absurdly spacious sewer. <laughs> Where instead of the sewer system oh my is shown God, that's like true. traversable by multiple teens, like without Standing crouching upright. Yeah, and it's like usually they're like a few inches to maybe a few feet because it's wastewater. And, like, you don't wander through them and, like, carry a bolt gun and, like, have, like, a dangling rope that you can spaciously pull down. Like, These it's not.
1: Are... Oh, my God. This one's blowing my mind because it's so true. And it's so yeah. it's in so many movies. Yep. <laughs> where it's like, yeah, wait, hold on. I've never even stopped to think.
0: <laughs> it, it was, like, the first one on the list that I was like, wait, what? And then, and then I had to think so about funny. it. That's so funny. What a spacious sewer. <laughs> And then the next one is Adults Are Useless. Uh, oh, my God, And yes. that's, you know, because especially in this version, when Georgie uh-huh. dies, you see the little woman with the cat. And that cat yeah. is very cute, by the way. Cat cares Love that cat. It.
1: Sad uh, enough to see it. <laughs> I know.
0: You did not need to witness this, Pierre Filon. You didn't need to. But she sees Georgie with his, like, face in a sewer. And she's, yeah. like, checks out his normal child behavior. Then she looks back. He's not there. But she sees blood in the street. And she's like, weird. Takes her cat inside. <laughs>
1: I remember this woman just being like, yeah, that kid's got his whole head in that sewer. That's weird. And doesn't do anything. If I saw a kid with his whole head in the sewer, I'd be like, kid, stop. Don't do that. Child, no. Child, please, no. But yeah, they were, I, I had a this in my notes too, where I was like, the adults were uh, much more useless in this one
0: mm-hmm. and
1: exaggeratedly like useless to the yeah. point where I was like, oh, this is very intentional. Yeah. Okay. Yep
0: uh and then there's the batman gambit and i had oh. to google this one because i was like yeah, i, I was don't like, know what cool that on. means i like i'm not a comic book person i don't like, know i'm not a superhero person i do like graphic novels but like i'm not a superhero person yeah. so i was like i don't know what that means <laughs> and so i looked it up and it's basically a plan where people do exactly what you'd expect them to do so like the villain does a villainous thing and the plan of the hero Plays in, or like, is in line with their flaws, and so right. their flaw could also be like a virtue, where it's like the hero that rushes in to save a loved one without considering their own safety. So in this case, the Batman Gambit is that Pennywise takes Beverly hostage, knowing that the rest of the losers will follow because right. and she's they lose loser too. Yeah, uh, and then, I love this one. But now I must go. <laughs> it's a hurried exit at the end, often used for sentimentality. So in this case, it's a way to get Bev out of Dairy. To set it up for the next part, but also to leave that love triangle unfulfilled and spicy. Right. I hate the love triangle. I hate the love triangles. <laughs> uh, oh, we're coming back to subversion, though. Okay. Oh, so, boy. So, the censored child death is double subverted. So, this is a quote from TV Tropes. When it was about to kill Georgie, instead of an off-screen death, we see him ripping his arm off, and oh, Georgie's trying to escape. Then it reaches out to get him. This time, his death is off-screen.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so true. <sighs>
0: And we have Chekhov's so... gun. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, that was just... Ugh, that seed is so... Ugh. Yeah. Wild.
0: Yeah. Uh, we have Chekhov's <clears throat> gun, something <clears throat> that seems minor that comes back to be a bigger deal, like the bolt gun or the switchblade. Right. Um, and then this is the one I mentioned earlier. Clap your hands if you believe. Uh, <laughs> it's called the Tinkerbell Effect. <laughs> and it's basically like this is battery acid and he like sprays right. his inhaler it's like if you believe yeah. it it becomes true right uh, and they are also a version of this trope where it's like the um actor tries to get the audience to engage in a physical way in order to make something more effective yeah. so it's like tell Tinkerbell you believe in her or Dory clap your hands <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the damsel in distress right a bait and switch version So, Mm -hmm. it's when, like, the damsel in distress trope is pretty clear, but it's when a female character is put in harm's way and that's used as a plot device to push the other main characters back together. Yeah. Because what is a woman but a tool to manage men's emotions? And I know that I'm speaking in the binary and, like, gender is expansive and it's not just two genders, but this is the way this trope is set up. Right, yeah. Uh, And then I love this darker and edgier. (laughs) (laughs) It's just just, what is this? Oh my god! Uh, darkest hour—that uh-huh. moment where everything is the worst it can be and things fall apart. So right. in this case, it's been the loosest fracture after the Neville House. Yep. Um, I love this one because we talked about it last time. Daylight horror. This is the oh, opposite. Yeah. Of evil is not well lit <laughs> because <laughs> in a lot of movies, there's the trope of like something evil's happening and it's in a darkened way. Right, uh, you know.
1: Whereas this, it was like uh, so bright. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Uh, there's everyone has standards and it's like when Henry Bowers is like I gave you a pass because your brother died but like I'm done where it's like right this bad but not this bad I won't cross this line
1: I remember that line and I was just like okay so you're not willing to stab a kid if his brother died but as soon as that grieving period is up you're ready to murder
0: cool good to know and one of the characters is like, yeah, I'm okay with, like, carving our initials into this child's stomach, right. but, like, you wanted to shoot a cat, we're done. Yeah. So it's like, those are, everybody has standards, these are the lines <laughs> they, want. <laughs> they want to cross.
1: Hey, listen, I'll stab a kid, but shooting a cat, that's too far. You know what? Honestly, they're great. Uh, not that I'll stab a kid. I just... You heard <laughs> it here mean... first.
0: <laughs> no! No! <laughs> Just cool that does not condone harm to children or animals I or other humans. I would never
1: stab anyone. I just mean, like, yeah, like shooting a cat. That's horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. So stabbing well, a cat. Cat I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'm digging a hole right now. I'm you're making digging. it sound like
0: I'm totally cool with stabbing. It's like one of those. Both are um, bad. <laughs> okay, so you know when you mix metaphors where it's like, we'll burn that bridge when you come to it. I always yeah. think of the... Like if you're going through hell like if you're walking through hell, keep walking. And then like you're digging yourself into a deeper (gasps) hole. And it's like if you're digging digging. into hell, keep digging. (laughs) I'm gonna
1: stop digging.
0: (laughs) So the next one I love is the fourth wall will not protect you. So the fourth (laughs) wall, for like anyone that's not familiar, is basically the barrier between what's happening on screen or on stage and the audience It's saying that this is our willing suspension of disbelief and I will believe that things happen within those three walls. And the fourth wall is what separates you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in this, there are a couple different examples operating on different levels. So there's a fourth wall broken with the characters where Pennywise comes out of the projector because that's supposed to be walled off. Like he is in a separate reality, which is a picture, but then he becomes part of their reality. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then he also does this with the audience. So I didn't notice it the first time I watched it. It just felt off, but I couldn't tell mm-hmm. why. It's because Skarsgård's eyes are looking different directions.
1: Yes! Yeah, yes, his he eyes, can eyes are, do are that. Like, oh my god, like, what a weird, attractive man.
0: I know. And so one of his eyes is often staring at the camera, meaning the audience, while the other eye is on the children he's torturing. And so it's this, like, the fourth wall will not protect you. Pennywise sees you too. Ew! <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, you said that instantly. I was like, Bill Sky can see me? All right. I need to stop with those clowns. To- I can't. <laughs> that's uh, that's so interesting. I didn't notice that.
0: Yeah. Um I learned so much from T V tropes. I love it. I
1: love it. That's so cool.
0: And then, just as a funny thing, there's the funny background event. So, in one scene, when they're, like, in an alley, and Eddie's, like, trying to do something serious. Yeah. You see Richie in the background fighting with a band person over her musical instrument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: just so There scary. were oh my god like listen honestly if you don't like scary movies i recommend finding somehow to watch all the parts of this that are just funny <laughs> all of it is genuinely really funny i'll never forget the gazebo line absolutely top notch
0: no these <laughs> but, like, gazebos. Gazebos. <laughs> there are like they're
1: there's so many good moments specifically with eddie eddie cracks mm-hmm. me up like i know richie's the funny one but
0: eddie sold the show um mm-hmm. But that's so funny. <laughs> it's just him in the background. <laughs> we also have a hard work montage, which is when they're oh, cleaning the up the, clean of the bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not afraid of you, which is that moment where Beverly's like, Pennywise, I'm not afraid of you. And he's like, funny words. Right. So like, nah, man, I already faced my worst fear, like, which was I'm my good, father's. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, oh, I love this one. The important haircut. So yes! after Bev I gets... Wondered her father like has this weird fixation with her hair and he like right. touches it and Ugh. she's like fuck this fuck that and she cuts her hair off and it's like this changing moment and it can be read in so many ways like i'm leaving childhood behind i'm a woman right. now, but also like i'm cutting off the thing that my father touched and also like i'm taking like my own freedom in this moment so there mm-hmm. are a lot of things but it's an important haircut yeah
1: very important haircut honestly great haircut i'm not gonna yeah, lie to you guys i took a picture of this the haircut when I was yep. like when this first came out and I literally got this haircut
0: nice <laughs> like,
1: I, it was on my little pink.
0: thing <laughs> I love it so when Stanley yours first came in I was like I want his hair like his curly <laughs> hair I want it and it's just like then I remembered I, I definitely forgot this on purpose I had a perm in high school what? I had a pixie cut <gasps> that was growing out and so I got a perm oh. and it lasted about a year and I had curly short hair.
1: Kate, if I don't see a photo of that in the next like two hours, I'm gonna scream.
0: <laughs> I'll send it to you. <laughs> oh my god! I know. I keep forgetting. I'm like, I did that. <laughs> oh
1: my god! Uh, listen, we've all had like questionable we've made made cut choices. Out. I remember cutting off just half my hair once at uh in college, where I had just like short hair over here and like a nice little long. It didn't look good on me. <laughs> I see photos of it, and I'm like, "Oh boy," because <laughs> I have very curly hair, so <laughs> it was not the look.
0: <laughs> Amazing. If I don't see uh, pictures of that in the next I'll two hours, send I will it. scream. <laughs> I'll send it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> There's also the trope of nice job fixing it villain, which is where the villain does something that's supposed to be like reprehensible, but it actually helps them solve the problem. Or right? Yeah, it helps them come together. So, like when he. Pennywise targets Beverly as her father. All the losers are like, okay, now you fucked up. So it, like, bonds them again.
1: Right, uh, yeah.
0: Then we obviously have the power of friendship and the pre ass-kicking one-liner. Of course. We also, the last two that I have are the security cling. And so it's like when something scary happens, they, like, grab each other's arms. <laughs> it's And <true>. then the <laughs> final one is the Smurfette principle, where it's, there is one woman among a party of men. <laughs>
1: Smart fat prince <laughs> It's getting teeny tropes. <laughs> oh my
0: god, that's funny.
1: That's that's so funny. Cause that's so true. Like she's literally just the only I mean, the only other like girl you really get is that really mean one in the pharmacy. Right yeah. Which is also shitty because it's like ugh, we only get like a damsel in distress and and a, like a sexualized character and a bully. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> ugh. Whatever um yeah those are some good tropes those are good ones
0: so (laughs) we already talked about this but my idea for the scale for this one was on gazebos
1: oh absolutely how many gazebos do you give this i am on board oh
0: my god okay if we're rating it on just the gazebo line 10 out of 5 like (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) Chef's kiss, ten out of five gazebos, just for the gazebo line. Just
1: for the gazebo line.
0: For the humor, I would give this five out of five gazebos. For you like... know what?
1: For the humor, because these kids were so good, five out of five gazebos. But yeah. if I was gonna say, like, just based on, like, if I was watching this as just a horror movie, and I wanted to be scared, this would be like three gazebos. Like, yeah. uh, and, it, and it has nothing to do with anyone's performance because it was very good. Just costuming and effects and certain directing choices really took it out for me. I was yeah. like, eh.
0: In terms yeah. of, like, my values and my want-to-see feminist storylines, I give yeah. this, like, a two gazebo. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> give it, like, a one gazebo, yeah. yeah. Uh
0: But in terms of, like, enjoyable watching, I give it, like, four gazebos because I've seen it three times and I enjoyed watching yeah, it each time. as and much I... as I've, like,
1: shit-talked it, I've seen it three times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and they definitely play into like the campiness factor and i feel like part of that is nostalgia but part of it's also like these are children and these are children's fears and yeah. so they can be like larger than life fears that are like existential dread but it's also like he's really afraid of sickness <laughs> so right. the leper is going to be really extra yeah so i don't know i like i definitely have my issues with this movie <laughs> right we talked about <laughs> um but yeah i'd give it in the range of total 3.5 to 4 because yeah. he that's a good rating,
1: yeah. I can yeah. totally see like why people dig it because it is it is good. It wasn't scary to me, but that's just because like I'm a brat when it comes to fucking effects. <laughs> I was like more practical effects, less CGI. <laughs> when it was scary I know to nothing about it. <laughs>
0: It was scary to me the first time because I am a jumpy, jumpy person, but upon watching it the second time and the third time, it's not scary anymore. It's just unsettling yeah. in a
1: lot of ways. I will I will say the first time I saw it, it, it was scary. Like, I, there were parts that I was generally like, oh, that was a scary movie. And then the more I've watched, I'm like, that movie's really funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> and the effects just take it out for me where I'm like, ah, it's too, it's too wild, too wild, yeah. but, but I
0: get it. Yeah, it's
1: this good i'll never forget that creepy burned egg child so they got me there
0: i'm sensing a trend with the creepiest thing that you identify in each movie as a small child
1: (laughs) small boy child it it did not take long for you to catch on that i do not enjoy
0: (laughs) children in scary
1: movies (laughs) that boy in his tank top I, i hated that what was it in the in it the first, the original. Was uh, there a the little kid
0: being sucked into the pipe. <laughs> Hated that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Kids creep me
1: out. Okay. They That's creep cool. me out. Even like little kids laughing genuinely, like when they're having a great time, creeps me
0: out. <laughs> uh, when I, I was a like kid, it. my grandma told me that I had to change my laugh because it sounded evil. <laughs> and I mentioned to my mom and she was like, yeah, your laugh did sound evil. It was creepy. I was like. Oh no!
1: <laughs> oh my God, Kate. If you met, if I ever met you as a child, I'd probably be like, I'd, I'm not. I'd give you a little, a little punch. Just one little one. <laughs> just <laughs> be a so little scared punch. Of you. Just a little punch. Just so frightened. <laughs> like I said, I don't condone any kind of stabbing. I'm just saying kids can sometimes be very scared. If that egg child came at me, mm. my instinct may have been to hit it instead of run. I'd have been like, "We're hitting this little egg kid." <laughs> ah! <laughs> His headless body. I would have punched him right in the chest. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh. <laughs> so, with that, that wraps up our discussion of It Chapter One. If you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like and review on an Apple Podcasts, perhaps yes, follow please. us on Instagram and Twitter at just cool with It. Check out our extended show notes on our website, cool com, or maybe even check out our Patreon at cool with It. We'd also like to take this opportunity to thank Kim, Kelly, and Nihar. They are our incredible patrons, and we feel so lucky to have them on this journey with us. Uh, And our intro and outro music, it was new last episode, but we had already recorded by the time we put it in. So here is our shout out and our huge, huge thanks to Anthony Roccazella. He's at Puff the Magic Bassist on Instagram, and the cover art is by our very own Nikki. It's true.
1: two Two, three three. (laughs) (laughs) what are you waiting for (laughs) i can't i can't tell if i'm lagging or (laughs) it just can't see me
0: you're lagging for me so much because every time i do it you're clapping after me
1: (laughs) every time i do it you're clapping after me
0: And I was like why is she
1: doing this
0: I'm like I- I'm like waiting for you to. I'm it. waiting You're... for you and I'm like come on clap
1: <laughs> alright well good all right. stuff I'm gonna put that at the beginning fuck it <laughs>